Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is focused on taking patient involvement in clinical publications to new heights, how Pfizer is working with patients to co-author scientific publications from the 2022 Patients as Partners Europe Conference. For more information about the Patients as Partners Europe Conference, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit theconferenceforum.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here together with Angela and thank you for staying until the very end. Um, we're really looking forward to speaking to you all about embedding the patient voice into scientific publications and how Pfizer is doing this in a practical sense. So if we start from the very beginning, why is it important that the patient voice is heard within scientific publications? Well, there's traditionally been, and still is, a trust issue when it comes to patient and public perceptions of the pharma industry. Two reports, one from Syscrip and another from Deloitte, show that globally only 18% of the public and patients trust farm companies a lot. And the farm industry is considered one of the least trusted sources of health related information. One of the ways that this could be addressed is to increase patient involvement in the production and dissemination of health related information, including scientific publications. This could make research more relevant and valuable to patients and caregivers as well as increasing the impact that research has on these groups. It could also help to improve understanding of research amongst patients, caregivers and the public. And it could improve trust that the public has in the pharma industry. So if we go to the next slide, Angela will be able to talk about what this means in the context of Pfizer. Thank you very much, Trishna. So yeah, Pfizer, we completely agree that, you know, we know that the pharma industry, that many members of the public do not trust the pharma industry. And we are looking at what can we do to improve that. So as Trishna said, it's very important to involve patients and the public in the research that we do from the preclinical research in terms of setting, identifying unmet research needs and setting our research priorities through to, the, to clinical research in, in study design and conduct. And there's a lot of information in the public domain that shows that by involving patients in study design and conduct, the, the questions that are answered are more relevant to patients. There's a better um, study experience for the study participants. There's improved recruitment, retention and adherence. There tend to be fewer protocol deviations, which lead to shorter study timelines and reduced cost of the study. So a lot of benefits by including patients. Also, by including patients in the research itself, that allows us to include patients in the generation of the results of these, those research, the research and in the dissemination of those results. Because by involving patients, it allows them to meet the first ICMG authorship criterion of being involved in study design and conduct or in the data analysis and acquisition. So what we're going to focus on during this presentation is the work that Pfizer has done to ensure that we can involve patients in the development of our scientific publications and in the development of plain language summaries based on those scientific publications. So what we're doing is we're really building on an existing trend throughout the industry of increased patient partnership. 
Um, I'm sure that, well, many of you are probably aware that journals, the BMJ journals a few years ago, started requiring that every research paper include in the methods section a patient and public involvement statement. So they wanted an explanation of how patients and the public were involved in the design and the conduct of that research. Now, in many cases, they may not be involved, but if that's the case, they want that to be stated. And the reason they're requiring this is because they feel that there's an ethical obligation to include patients in research because patients are the ultimate end users of that research. And by involving them, the work should be more relevant, it should be safer, better quality, and then we can involve them in the development of, this, of the subsequent public publications. By involving patients as authors, publications will be more relevant to patients because the discussion is not going to be focused solely on what the researchers see as being important and relevant, but also what's important to patients, which can be very different things. And also by involving patients, we expect the, the, the content to be more understandable to a broad audience. And by doing so, the patients who read these publications will be more knowledgeable, more engaged, and therefore better able to partner with their healthcare practitioners in making informed treatment decisions. So the first step that we took towards figuring out how can we involve patients in the development of our publications is by convening, uh, forming and convening a patient collaborative board. So this was done by the publications management team last year, and Trishna is a member of that board. <laughs> and we did our best to have a diverse board because we really wanted to hear different perspectives from multiple patient experts. So we included patients from different geographic regions, patients of different races, patients of different genders, and then also patients with different therapeutic area experience. So we have 10 board members, seven women, three men, and the details of where they're from and the, the therapeutic areas that they have expertise in are listed on the slide. So the first thing that we did at, as a board was to identify patient preferences to scientific publications as readers and consumers, like which publications are most relevant, what format, do they want to see publications in, you know, questions like that. Uh, we also want to see what could we do to enhance Pfizer's partnership with patients in the development of scientific publications. What's the appropriate role for patients? and we want to establish a patient authorship process. And then we also wanted to develop plans for continued engagement with our patient partners. So the first project that we worked on, I'm going to pass it over to Trishna to talk about, is, is that development of an enterprise-wide patient authorship process that were, was implemented across the organization. So Trishna, I'll pass it off to you. Thank you, Angela. So um, practically, how did all this work? Um, so firstly, we had two all-hands kickoff calls where we started to review and discuss the current patient authorship process at Pfizer. Now, it became clear that outside of the publication's standard operating procedure, SOP, support document, that there would also be specifically um, to guide Pfizer colleagues that were involving patients in sponsored publications. There was going to be also several areas of focus which would actually lend themselves well to specific people on the board according to their experience and expertise. So we formed separate work streams. Um, they would work independently of each other but provide updates to everyone. People could belong to more than one work stream and uh, they were split into contracting, 
travel and expenses policy and the patient author welcome kit. Everyone was working on the SOP support document. Now the draft guidance and the SOP support document was developed and amended over the course of several months. It was based on feedback from the patient advisors on the existing documents. And also the documents that are going to be shared with patients, for example, the contracts and the welcome kit, they were developed using patient-friendly and inclusive language. The document reviews were done in Microsoft Teams with some of us being offered support as to how to best use the platform. Many of us might have used Teams for video conferencing, but not necessarily the different channels. Um, and there was also monthly WebExes and ongoing opportunities to review each version of the documents and provide feedback. Also, and very importantly, and we've spoken about this quite a bit during the conference, there was ongoing communication with Pfizer's legal, compliance, medical affairs and contracting teams because collaborative multifunctional working was going to be key to ensure that we had documents and guidance that could actually be implemented in practice. So if we go to the next slide, um, Angela's going to be able to tell you about the guidance that was actually implemented. Thanks, Trishna. So it was actually, it was a wonderful experience. I, um, we, we did work this over months, but we did it over three months, which I think could be a record timeline for getting anything implemented at Pfizer. Uh, so it was, we worked with our 10 patient advisors and the, the document, as Patricia said, we had a, a very rough draft patient authorship guidance. And by in December of last year, we launched our official enterprise-wide publications management guidance for patient authorship. So the guidance involves standards. It tells us, it gives guidance on how to identify patient authors and appropriate compensation for patient authors. Um, generally, Pfizer does not pay authors for the development of scientific publications. But you know, there's definitely a difference. We see a difference between a researcher, HCP author, and a patient author. There are clear benefits in terms of somebody, someone's career in terms of being an author on a scientific publication. And also many of our external authors are already being paid as study investigators. And the publication is an expected output of being a study investigator. So you know, additional payment for the publication may not be appropriate in that case. It, that is maybe very different for our patient authors. And also, by if we only included patients who were not going to be paid and were able to volunteer their time to be involved in the development of publications, that would limit the, um, the, the patients that we're pulling from, the patient pool who are pulling from, to, who were able to be patient authors. So in the spirit of inclusiveness, we, we, uh, we do allow for compensation of our patient authors, obviously according to fair market value rates. Uh, so that's a, the standard section of the, the guidance. And then we go into the process section. So we have a very detailed process. Uh, it goes into details on how to identify patient authors. There, there we have a due diligence checklist. There are a lot of requirements that the patient authors must meet and their exclusion criteria. For example, we cannot include a patient who was a participant in a study on a publication about that study or if, a, if they're aware of a family member who is a participant in the study, then they, they, that would exclude them from being an author on that study. Um, then we talk about contract execution and the publication development process, and then payment, you know, invoicing and payment. Um, 
the, so the guidance document includes nine appendices, uh, one of which is that patient author welcome kit that Trisha mentioned. So when you send patient authors the contract, we also send them a, an author welcome kit uh, explaining why Pfizer does publications, what a publication is, and what they can expect working with Pfizer on the development of a publication. And it really helped getting our patient partners input on the development of that, that welcome kit. Uh, we are, we've now provided training to all Pfizer colleagues involved in the development of publications on this guidance. And we anticipate seeing an increase in the number of publications with patient authors across the enterprise. So when this was launched in December, um, we got so much positive feedback immediately, immediately at the launch of this, this guidance document. So some of the comments in green are comments that were provided by our patient collaborators. As you'll see on, on the left, Trishna said, looks great, good work team, really great to see you ready, see you ready to go. And, you know, um, and our other patient partners really, I feel I really enjoyed working with us on this project and we really enjoyed working with them. It, it was a mutually beneficial relationship because it, the patient partners brought up things that I would not have considered. And you know, the health literacy content of the documents that we're sharing with our patients will be greatly improved by the input that we receive from our, from our patients. And then in terms of our Pfizer colleagues, whose comments are provided in blue, their feedback is, you know, they were so excited to see this because they feel that having this tool available to them will allow them to now involve patients more in the development of our publications, which will lead to publications of greater relevance and greater quality. So everyone felt that, that it was really important that this wasn't a one-off thing, that the, the patient collaborators and also Pfizer. We felt that this should be an enduring partnership and an evolving process. So we actually came together as a group to decide what the scope of work should be, what the membership terms of reference should be, how often meetings should be held, and even the name of the group. Up until that point, we were called patient advisors and a patient advisory council. Now we're a collaborative board and patient collaborators. It was decided that contracts would be renewed annually to avoid having to produce additional paperwork every time a new project within publications came up. And we also started to look to the future in terms of possibilities to um, increase our geographic diversity. At the moment, it's North America and the UK, and we're aware that this is a global initiative. And also whether in the future we could invite non-patient members to the collaborative board, for example, academics, researchers, healthcare professionals, as appropriate. So some of the key points to consider, um, if you're thinking of doing a similar thing, firstly, I would say, Everyone involved should have experience with pharma companies. It's really important that they understand the regulations and the parameters in which this kind of work can be undertaken. It's good to be able to push the boundaries, but there has to be an understanding of why some of these boundaries even exist. Uh, they should also have experience of patient authorship and or involvement in the publications process. This project wasn't about getting just any patients involved. It was necessary to have people with certain skills, experience and expertise within the field. It's also important to include people who understand the importance of diversity and inclusion 
and who are aware of the issues that might prevent patients from certain groups from being able to be involved in the publications process. And then people also need to have a passion and desire to increase patient involvement research. in research. Um, they need to feel invested in it in order to make the board a success. And then next, don't assume that everyone knows how to use the tools that your organisation uses. As I mentioned, some of us needed extra support on Microsoft Teams. And when you're working with patients on authoring publications, effective use of some of these collaboration tools is going to be crucial. And then also at the start, there was some guesswork in terms of how many hours should be included in the contracts for the collaborative board members. This was all new and it did transpire that some of us, particularly if we were involved in several work streams, would need to have contract extension so that we didn't run out of hours. So again, getting contracting, um, the contracting team involved early is really crucial. And finally, transparency was of utmost importance. Why certain things couldn't be done or how our work was going to be implemented was all really important to know. As was the fact that this was a learning process for all parties, but we were working together and we were co-creating. And that should be at the heart of any similar initiatives that you might want to embark on. For more information about the Patients as Partners Europe Conference, our editorial, podcast, and webinars, please visit theconferenceforum.org. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.